Welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Thursday, May the 12th. And this week we're talking Women Deliver. You may remember, those of you who've been listening to Lancet podcast for a long time, that Women Deliver had its first conference in London back in 2007. Great fanfare and the Lancet's been supporting Women Deliver and the health and rights of women in many guises over the years since then. But Women Deliver is coming up May 16th to 19th in Copenhagen will be Women Deliver, the fourth conference that they've held. And I'm delighted to be speaking to the chief executive of Women Deliver, Katja Iverson, who's on the line in Copenhagen. Hi, Katja. Hey, and I'm delighted to be with you, Richard. Just tell us about Women Deliver 2016. It's your fourth international meeting. How is it going to differ to Women Deliver meetings that have gone before? The Women Deliver Conference 2016 will be the largest conference on the health, rights and well-being of girls and women for more than a decade. That's what it's shaping up to be. There's 165 countries. There's more than 5,000 participants. So it'll not only be the largest conference to date of the Women Deliver, but it is also going to be one of the first global big convenings after the Sustainable Development Goals have come out. A symbolic nine months after the SDGs Sustainable Development Goals came out that really championed girls' and women's health rights and well-being. There's a lot of differences from from before. In 2007 in London, the main focus was on maternal mortality and what had not happened in that regard over the last 20 years. The world has moved a lot further now. It's, there's progress on that account. And this time we will explore the issues like never before and really underscore the natural linkage between girls and women's empowerment and so many other development issues from health, education, economic empowerment, and also uh, climate change and wash. So really putting girls and women at the center of development because they are the drivers. And the focus will be on solutions and solutions and solutions. We all know the problems, but this time it's about what can be done, what has been worked, what should we scale up, and where should we go? Sounds terrific. Let's talk about the Sustainable Development Goals in a bit more detail, because obviously this is the new roadmap for so many aspects of health, or you could argue for virtually all aspects, certainly in global health, because we now have a UN framework to 2030. How does what Women Deliver does, how does that fit in to the SDGs, or putting it the other way around, how are the SDGs addressing women's health and rights concerns? If we look at the Sustainable Development Goals as they came out, decided by the world leaders, we have particularly two goals that's very important when we talk about uh, girls and women's health rights and well-being. It's goal three, that's health and well-being. It's also very notable that it's well-being, it's not just ill health. And then it's goal five, that's uh, gender equality. But we look at it this way. That if we ever want to achieve the sustainable development goals, we have to put girls and women at the center. That's where we have an untapped potential. That's where the change will come from. Women's health has so much influence on, for example, poverty. It has influence on equality. It has influence on economic prosperity for everybody. So really putting uh, girls and women at the center. There's another change. It is that it's universal. It's not just the developing countries that has to act on this. It is everybody. And if we look at, at countries now, I'm in mean, Copenhagen, if we look at the Nordics, if we look at Australia, if we look at Canada, who have made girls and women and their health and rights the bedrock, that has really made prosperous 
societies. It's paid off to invest in girls and women, and it made the countries more stable, stronger economies, and also prone to less conflict. So kind of in the post-SDG, or kind of in the middle of the SDG, there's so many opportunities to look at what we have done, what worked, and what didn't work, and really champion the solutions. And that's what the Women Deliver Conference will do, is really show how leveraging the playing field and focusing on what works is a win-win for everybody. Presumably one thing then, as part of your conference coming up in Copenhagen, is, as you say, I know you want to be very much solutions-focused, but also you've got to be presumably discussing and debating how you interpret what the SDGs are saying, because at a kind of broad level, the SDGs are saying things that most people can connect with, but the devil is in the detail, isn't it? I mean, there are really important issues, aren't there, to do with how are we going to measure progress, how are we going to track progress, what about accountability, all these things. They're not laid out in the SDGs which are, of course, by definition, quite broad. Yes, if we look at the, the whole accountability mechanism of the Sustainable Development Goals has not been set yet. The indicators are not fully decided yet. And yes, as you say, it's in the detail. If we look at some of the most important areas from our perspective, if we want progress for all, it's also to look at girls and women's sexual and reproductive health and rights. And, you know, if, if a woman can't decide on her fertility and decide when and if to have children, and if I may add, with whom, then she can't decide her future. It's very difficult to get an education. It's almost impossible to keep a job because you will be pregnant all the time. Sex is not an option many places. It's a duty. So that's the detail. We need to measure the right things. And we need to change hearts and minds. And it means altering perceptions and attitudes. So we're in, we're, we're in dealing with, uh, with substantial things here. Maternal mortality is still one of the leading causes for young girls, for adolescent girls. We still have 225 million women who do not have access to contraception. We still have child marriage that kind of robs uh, way too many girls for a future. We still have uh, female genital cutting. Even though it's going down, it's still way too much. So we need to change the hearts and the attitudes around this, and that ties very much into gender equality. In general, we look at it, health is so important. But if we only treat health as health, we're never going to solve the issues. We have to look at the uh, determinants. We have to look at what affects health and what health affects. Indeed. And related to that, tell us about what, how you're addressing or how you're pitching your work within the context of adolescent, adolescent girls and young people. Because you may be aware, we've just published a major commission at The Lancet about adolescents and young people, very much in a broad global health context. But adolescents and connecting and with young people is absolutely fundamental to what you're doing at Women Deliver, isn't it? Absolutely. And if I may compliment you on that work, both taking it up and, and, and the commission paper will also be, be front and center at the Women Deliver Conference. Very well done. Thank you very much for that. Because we have a world where half the population are under 30 years old. Their opportunities, their needs, their choices, including reproductive choices, will define the world not only as we know it, but as we want it. So really focusing on adolescents' health and rights is key. We have 2 million adolescents living with HIV. We have the highest unmet need for contraception. The situation is dire, but there's also very many good solutions 
to look at it. And we have been elevating the voices because that's so important. That also, again, that's been great with the commission's work that you have actually included adolescents and the voices of young people. And that is so important because who knows best the situation they live and die in. And that means we need to listen. We need to learn if we want the right policies and the right action in, in, in place. So one of the Women Deliver Young Leaders has been on the commission. And so he's is very active in it. And so is the, the other 400 Women Deliver Young Leaders around the world. At the Women Deliver Conference, 20% of the participants will be under the age of 30. They'll be young people. And uh, as I said, adolescence health will be one of the one of the big discussions there. I wish I was under 30. You've already touched on this sexual and reproductive health. Of course, that is at the very heart of what Women Deliver does. And that's where you started. Of course, it's gone broader than that, as you've just outlined. Are there any particular aspects of sexual and reproductive health that you're going to discuss and address at the meeting? We need to look at holistically at adolescents' health and, and lives. But when it comes to their health, we, of course, will look at their access to services. We can't talk about solving the issues if, if we're not ready to talk about access and sex and sexuality and those issues. So, so, of course, that will be a topic. Just because the law says that young people don't have sex under the age of 18, we all know that it's not true. We'll be sticking our head in the sand. So we'll need to have the services and information ready to, to deal with that. A lot of the 20 plenary sessions and uh, a lot of the more than 100 concurrent sessions will explore the state of uh, sexual and reproductive health and rights globally, but also very much with the focus on, on adolescence, whether it's teen pregnancies, whether it's unsafe abortion, whether it's sexuality, yeah, access to services. We'll also look at, and that's not only for adolescence, but that's in general in sexual and reproductive health and rights. For example, the Zika virus. That has prompted some new discussions, both on what do you do about the mosquito, but also what about women's choices and voices and reproductive health there. So we will have three sessions that have different aspects of Zika research, political systems, but also women's perspective and, and women's choices and how best to respond to it from, from a girl. And, and women's perspective. Yeah, on the subject of abortion, which is always a really troubling and difficult topic, you've probably seen the recent paper just published last night. The Lancet's published a paper from the Guttmacher Institute. This is looking at new data in terms of worldwide trends in abortion. Do you want to just comment briefly on that paper? I think you've had a chance to have a quick look at it. I did, yes, and thank you. The abortion rates have been declining. Uh, significantly since 1990 in developed countries, it's not declined the same in, in developing countries. And linking that to access to sexual reproductive health and rights services, etc., that is not a surprise. It's not a surprise that when women have access to contraception, such as, you know, kind of in, in, the, in the developed countries, they avoid unintended pregnancies. That's how you do it. And fewer unintended pregnancies translates to fewer abortions. And every woman deserves the chance to choose. And that means equipping her with the information and access to contraception so she can choose whether or not to have children. The study really underscores the need for family planning in developing countries, the need for comprehensive sexuality education, the need for safe and legal abortion services. We need to demystify it. It will happen. You know, we will have women who get unintended, who get pregnant, who were not planning to and don't want to. And it will keep killing them 
if we don't talk about it or if we don't do something about it. We can't sweep this under the carpet and that's one of the great things about this study that it really puts the data on the table that we need to be able to make the right policies. Let's fast forward a week. It's now towards the end of the day, Thursday, May the 19th. You're probably lying flat on your back with a cold flannel on your head and maybe a little drink in your in your hand. What do you hope will be the outcome? Because having a meeting of powerful, interesting people talking about critically important topics under the umbrella of Women Deliver is all very well, but you've got to have an action plan, haven't you? You've got to have some key outcomes. What are you hoping for? Half the planning of this conference has been planning of what comes comes after. This is not just a one-off conference. We see it as a fueling station, a fueling stop for the broader and greater and growing movement for the health rights and well-being of girls and women. So if we look at what will come out of it, and it's not just a hope, it's it's what we what we want to see, but what we also know, we measure everything we do, so we know that that's what also comes out of the conferences. We want people from the 165 countries leave with inspiration for how you can do things and how you can do things differently. So that's kind of the solution part. We are gathering all the many hundred solutions that will be presented in the solution panorama. So that's the inspiration. We want people to leave with new partners. One of the unique things about the Women Deliver Conference is we bring everybody under the same roof, from the biggest policy makers and, and, and definers to the people who really execute on a daily basis in the countries and communities and everything in between. So new partnerships. We know that often comes out of the Women Deliver. We instituting some networking and some ways to do it that will enhance that new partnership building. And then it is the energy. Never underestimate the energy that this creates and the really can do, will do, must do feeling that comes out of it. So while we now have the Sustainable Development Goal Framework at global level, all the countries in the world are now making national plans, finding out what's going to be the focus. Because yes, there's 17 goals and 169 targets, so everybody can't do everything. But we want to ensure that girls and women are not left out again, as happened with the Millennium Development Goals in the beginning. So we need girls and women centrally placed at the heart of the national plans with the SDG plans, with the national health plans moving forward. We have the global strategy, every woman, every child, global strategy for women's, children's and adolescents' health and really have that implemented and instituted as well. So have girls and women positioned and that's what people are going home with. We're coming out with 12 investments that are, will be the sound investment in girls and women's health rights and well-being. And they come with examples, they come with calculations, they come with action steps that can be taken. And having so many countries and so many different players from each country will help institute that in countries as well. And we will be following up on that afterwards. At the conference, we will be launching a big new advocacy platform. It is based on 12, the 12 investment that the world needs to make in girls and women, and we presenting them in a wonderful booklet that Richard Horton, the chief editor of The Lancet, has done the foreword to. Those span from maternal health, nutrition, reproductive health and, and rights, broader health, but also 
women's empowerment, economic empowerment, violence, etc. R12 investment really documented that the participant can take home, use the whole resource package for each and really use in the national plans for the sustainable development goals that are being done there. We wish you a fantastic meeting next week in Copenhagen. Thank you for your time now and we look forward to speaking again in the future. Thank you very much and you should come to Copenhagen.